for my family, uh, sports has been an avenue for us to get out into the community and to get to know people uh, and to get to interact with people. Uh, one of the downsides of being a pastor to come, come to a church like Wallace and, uh, and when you're not from the area is that everybody you know goes to church with you, right? I mean, everybody that I met when I moved here was a member of our church, right? So, so I had to get outside of our church. I had to get outside of my bubble to, to meet people that, that didn't already go to Wallace. And so uh, sports is that avenue for us. And our kids have always played sports, and, and I would often volunteer as a coach or at least be a helpful parent uh, at practices. And that was a way for us to, to live out our faith in front of other people, they would see how we reacted when there was a bad call by the umpire. Uh, they would see how we acted when our kids weren't doing the right things that they should have been doing at practice and, and things of that nature. And so we were able to live this out in front of people and we were able to, to share the gospel with them as, as we interacted with them. This is how we want to see our E-teams function here at our church. We want you to use the, the places that God has put on your heart, the people groups that God has put on your heart, uh, the sports teams or whatever it is that God has put on your heart as a way for you to try and invest in people's lives and to share with them and to live out your faith in front of them and to show the love of Jesus and to share the gospel with people. And so over the years, we've had this opportunity to do this. And one example uh, is, a, is a friend of mine named Matt and his wife named JC. Matt was my assistant coach when uh, we were coaching T-ball and the next couple of grades up uh, with Fisher's team. And Matt and JC were a, a young couple who were, uh, had, were Christians, but they were not involved in church at all. They said, you know, yes, we're, you know, we're Christians, but they did not go to church. And so we became friends with them, started sharing with them, and they started coming to our church. And then they became members of our church, became very active in our church. And their son, Alex, who was, uh, I was coaching on the team, made a decision and trusted in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I was able to baptize Alex. And so this is what we want to be doing as we're out sharing and living out our faith with people. And there were lots of other opportunities for us to do this as well. I think about one mother that was uh, of a little boy that was on Ransom's team that we were, uh, that I was coaching and we were sharing with her and uh, for several years and, and she actually came and visited our church a couple of times. And then I noticed one day on social media that she had been going to this other church in town and had got saved and was baptized. And so when I saw that, I was really excited that she's now a sister in Christ. But I could have, at that moment, said, what in the world? I've been trying to share with this lady for two years, and she goes to this other church down the street, you know? I could have been upset that she didn't go to my church and that she didn't get baptized at, at my church because we had invested in her for a long time. But me and my is not what mattered at that moment. It was about the Lord and his kingdom. And that's what gospel service is all about. That we're called not to serve ourselves, but to serve the Lord. So if you have your Bibles this, this morning, I'd ask that you turn with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. We're going to be studying this morning verses 7 through 15 as we're continuing our series through the book of Galatians called No Other Gospel. And uh, if you turn there in your Bibles, I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you are able. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. The word of God says, You were running well. 
Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord that you will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that's confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, then why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you'll be consumed by one another. Thank you. You may be seated. Today, as we study this passage, I want us to examine what gospel service looks like. And I want you to consider, am I serving a position or am I serving a purpose with my life? Am I serving a position or am I serving a purpose? And so the first thing that we see in this passage is serving a position. And that's exactly where we find these Judaizers. This is the context of this letter. We've spoken about this several times as we've gone through uh, this book. That there was a group of Judaizers who had come into the region of Galatia. And these were Jewish people, Jewish background. uh, And they were saying to these Christians in Galatia who were Gentiles, it's great that you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith. But if you really want to be called the people of God, if you really want to belong, then in addition to that, you need to be circumcised. Uh, You need to do these other Jewish things. You need to do the dietary laws. You need to observe the festivals and the, the, the holidays and things of that nature. And so they were adding these works onto the faith of the Galatians to say this is what salvation is. And the one thing that the Judaizers could not move away from was the call to circumcision. It's the topic that Paul has been addressing indirectly and at times very directly all throughout this letter. And the Judaizers maintained that these Galatians had to be circumcised in addition to their faith in Jesus in order to be truly counted as the people of God. They had to have faith plus these certain works to be saved. And it was a position that they held dearly. It was the hill that they were going to die on. In fact, they were coming into the churches and they were trying to proselytize these Galatian Christians and and to, to pull them over to join them in their position. They were all about serving their position. And Paul has been vehemently combating this false doctrine to the church at Galatia because The gospel is the hill that we're going to die on. As the church, the gospel is the hill that we'll die on. We've got to get the gospel right. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. And so he says, without the gospel... Our faith is worthless. And if your faith is in a false gospel, it's worthless. And so that means that we're not going to compromise on matters of the faith. 
We're going to hold firm no matter the cost. And Christians throughout the ages have been willing to suffer loss and even death for the gospel. I think about Martin Luther, who posted his 95 theses there in Wittenberg in 1517. And that sparked the Protestant Reformation across Europe. And a few years later, he was brought before the church leaders at the Diet of Worms in 1521, and charges were laid against him. And he made a defense before them using Scripture, and his last words were, Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. Amen. He says, Here I stand, I'm not going to, I can do nothing else except for proclaim the gospel. And so we're going to stand firm on the gospel. That's the hill that we're going to die on. But not everything that we believe is a hill worth dying on. Not everything that we believe is a gospel issue. For example, I have opinions about what type of barbecue sauce is the best. But that's not a gospel issue. I I have opinions about the best beach that you should go to for vacation. But that's not a gospel issue. I have opinions about my favorite book or my favorite movie, but that's not a gospel issue. We don't have to agree on those things. I have political opinions, but that's not a gospel issue, unless it is a biblical issue such as right to life. That's something that we need to agree on as Christians. I have musical opinions, but that's not a gospel issue. I have all sorts of opinions, just like you have all sorts of opinions. But we cannot put non-gospel issues in that place of primary importance. I found a picture this week that I thought was pretty fitting and funny. Um, You got this guy that says you need to pick your battles. And he says, well, pick fewer battles than that. All right, put some battles back. All right, that's still too many battles. And that's kind of how I feel sometimes where, you know, Christians are saying, you know, they're getting all wound up about all these things that really don't matter. We're making these things the the biggest battles, and it's okay. And I wonder if there's a non-gospel issue that you've made a first-tier matter in your life. I wonder if there's a a non-gospel issue that you've made a matter of fellowship with other brothers and sisters. Because that's what was happening here. These Judaizers were willing to split a church in two over whether people were circumcised or not. And if you look earlier in this chapter, in verse 6, Paul says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Paul says, listen, if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, it does not matter with regard to your salvation. What matters is your faith that's working itself out through loving other people. But these Judaizers were willing to serve their position over the church. And when these Galatians joined in with the Judaizers, when some of them were convinced and and began to follow the teaching of these Judaizers, they began to get off course. And that's what Paul is saying here in verse 7. He says, you were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? He says that you're beginning to move off of the truth. They'd allowed their pet project to move them off of the main thing. 
Because it didn't matter whether they were circumcised or not. Circumcision is nothing, Paul says. What matters is that they had made circumcision a litmus test for salvation. That's what mattered. And we might not make our non-gospel issues a litmus test for salvation. I don't know, maybe you do. But sometimes we make non-gospel issues a litmus test for belonging. And if we don't agree 100% on every issue in life, then you and I can't be friends. Or if you and I don't agree on 100% of, on every issue in life, then we can't be brothers and sisters. And listen, that's a really small kingdom. Because my wife and I don't agree 100% on every issue in life. Am I the only house that does that? I mean... I don't agree with myself 100% on every issue. I mean, I change my mind sometimes. And that's why it has to be the gospel that we rally around as brothers and sisters because the gospel's consistent. The gospel doesn't change. It's the gospel that saves, and that's where we come together. So in verse 9, what Paul says is there's a little leaven that leavens the whole batch of dough. He says that these Galatians had, had moved off of fellowship together. They had allowed the leaven of these Judaizers, and that's a, a visual picture that he has of leaven being kneaded into to dough. And he says that they've allowed these Judaizers' leaven to come in to mess up the church. Their teaching had infiltrated the ranks of the believers, and now there's division. Now there's frustration among the churches. And when that happens, churches become ineffective for the kingdom. Because if I were a lost person, why would I want to go be a part of a church that's fighting and squabbling just like the lost people are? I mean, I can do that outside the church. I don't need to go to church to participate in fights. He goes on in verse 11 Defending himself, he says, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, then why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. These Judaizers were actually making false claims about Paul. They were saying, listen, Paul was a Pharisee, and he was saying the same things that we used to, he used to say, the same things that we're saying. And he did when he was a Pharisee. He would go around telling people that they needed to be circumcised. I mean, remember, Paul was going up to, to go haul off these Christians in chains and to bring them back to Jerusalem. He was just like them at one point. And so Paul says, listen, if I'm still preaching that you need to be circumcised, then why are they persecuting me? Because that's not what I'm saying. I have proclaimed to you the gospel, plain and simple. And he says, it's the cross that is the offense. It's the work of Jesus on Calvary that convicts us of our sin. It's the death and resurrection of Christ that's our salvation. And these Galatians had been muddying up the gospel. He says, that's not what I'm saying. He says, what I have proclaimed to you is the cross. And the cross is what's offending you. But when we become unclear about the gospel... As the church, then what are we doing? 
Where's our hope found? What is it that we're sharing at that point? How is it that we're living? Why is it that we're worshiping? Because we don't gather together because of these other things. We join together to worship the risen Lord who has saved us. And so we have to be clear on the gospel. And it's quite clear that Paul felt that the gospel was of utmost importance. And in fact, in verse 12, this is some of the strongest language you'll find in the Bible. He says, I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. He says, listen, circumcision is nothing, but they're trying to force you to mutilate yourselves. I wish that they'd just go mutilate themselves. That's what he says there in verse 12. And he's so upset about what's happening that he makes this bold statement. And it shows us the importance and the urgency of the gospel. That it matters that much. They had lost the importance of what God had called them to do. And when a church loses sight of the gospel, it ceases to be. It's just a country club at that point. It's just a community service group at that point. But it's not a dispensary of love and hope and the gospel. And so are we going to serve our positions or are we going to serve the purpose of the kingdom? And that's the second thing that Paul calls them to in this passage. Serving our purpose. As Christians, we have a clear command, a clear purpose in Scripture. Jesus gives it to us in the Great Commission that we're to go into all the world to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded us. He's given us a very clear purpose as the church. And for whatever reason, we as the church focus on everything else but that. It's the clear purpose that he's given us. Are we going to serve our purpose? In verse 13, he says, you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. He uses the Greek word here, aforme. It's translated as opportunity there in verse 13, that there you don't, he's urging them not to use their freedom as an opportunity. It literally means as a pretext. So he says, don't use your, your, your freedom as a pretext for the flesh. And this was a military term that was used to describe an abuse of position. It would be like using your position for personal gain. So he says, don't use this freedom that you have for personal gain. And so what he's saying here is that those who would agree with Paul theologically, that they didn't need to get circumcised, he's saying to them, you are free, so, but don't use your freedom for your flesh. Don't act like you're better than those who are struggling with this issue. And he says, don't fall into the trap of pride and self-promotion on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, he's been, he's been hammering hard against those who were being legalistic and saying, don't, you know, don't do that. But now he's speaking to those who actually agreed with him theologically. And he's saying, don't use your freedom as a pretext for the flesh, for you to be puffed up and filled with pride. He says, we're called to love 
the body of Christ. He says, serve one another in love. And we know here that Paul is speaking to the Galatian churches. And so the one another here are the fellow brothers and sisters. And from the context of these instructions from Paul, there's obviously fighting that's occurring in the Galatian churches. There are some who are following after these Judaizers, and there's others who are not. And this fighting between those who are being legalistic and between those who are free in Christ. And Paul is urging them to serve one another in love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. John says, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, then we also must love one another. We see this in almost all the New Testament letters. We see it, Jesus speaking this to his disciples all throughout his ministry, that we would love one another like, like he loves us. And so what Paul says is, this is the time to love and to encourage and to help these that are, that are struggling to stand firm in their faith. It's time to disciple these brothers and sisters that are being led astray, to not give up on them, but to go after them. And we've all seen people like this before. It could be you. People who have all the correct theology, but they, but they know it, and they let you know it. And they act like they're better than others, more holy than others, because they don't struggle with some of the issues that others struggle with. And what he says here is just because you are set free in Christ, it doesn't mean that you use that freedom to sin. You don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. You don't use that freedom to indulge your pride. You don't use your freedom to turn others away by your arrogance. Instead, use your freedom to love because we are called as Christians to serve a purpose. And that purpose is the advancement of the kingdom of God. That purpose is to glorify Christ. And I can assure you that puffing up yourself and putting down others accomplishes neither of those things. In verse 14, he says, the whole law, is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. This call to love our neighbor expands the command beyond just our brothers and sisters in Christ. Who is my neighbor was the question that the, the student of the law asked Jesus, and he responded with the story of the Good Samaritan. And that story makes it clear to us that your neighbor includes people who aren't brothers and sisters in Christ. It includes people who aren't like you. It includes people that aren't thinking like you. It includes people that aren't living like you live. And so what Paul is saying here is that we're even supposed to love those who aren't in the kingdom. And so when you're preaching a legalistic works-based approach to salvation, you're leading the lost astray. But when you're preaching a faith approach to salvation, but with a prideful superiority, you're turning the lost away. And in either case, you're not serving the purpose of the gospel. You're not bringing people to Christ. And this is what we're called to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 13 and 14, Paul tells this church, Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. 
and do everything in love. I love this passage. He says that, that yes, we need to be alert. When there are false teachings and, and these things that are leading people astray, we need to be alert, and we must stand firm. In those moments of crisis, we need to be courageous, and we need to be strong, but we need to do it lovingly. And at the end of the passage comes this warning in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. Those words, biting and devouring and consuming that he uses in this verse, these are all words that were commonly used in first century to describe wild animals that were engaged in a fight to the death. And so what he's saying here is you're, you're all acting like wild animals, just tearing one another apart. And we've seen the terrible testimony of churches that have, that have to- been torn apart by things that didn't matter. We've seen churches that have split over things that really didn't matter. And they've lost their witness in their community They've lost their effectiveness for the kingdom of God. And Paul says to these Galatians, if you keep this up, you're going to destroy God's church there. And you're no longer serving your purpose. And so this morning, Christians, as we think about this passage of Scripture and implanting it in our hearts, the question is, are we going to use our freedom to serve our positions or to serve the purpose of God's kingdom. As you look at your life, maybe there are things that you realize are some battles you need to put back, (laughs) some things that really aren't here as gospel issues that we kind of put up there on that shelf at times. And we can be adamant about them, and we can be um, puffed up about these things, and we need to show love and grace and, and compassion, as Paul shows us in this passage of Scripture, to realize that the one thing that really matters for us is the gospel. That's the hill we're going to die on. These other things, we can leave some room for one another. And so maybe you want to spend some time just here at the altar in prayer, there at your seat in prayer, saying, God, I, uh, what I want is to my life to be about the purpose of the kingdom. I want my life to be about the gospel. I want my life to be about serving and loving and sharing the hope of Jesus with people. To not get sidetracked on all these other things. Satan loves nothing more than to get us off on these other things. And when we do that, we, we are silent. We're sidetracked. We become disillusioned, we become bitter and angry and all these things that Satan just loves. When the one thing that Jesus told us to focus on and to do was to share the gospel. And so maybe you just want to commit to that today during this time of invitation. There might be some here today that God is calling into gospel service. We've shared throughout this sermon about the importance of the gospel, that it's worth fighting for, that it's something that we have to get right. And that's because it's the only message of hope. It's the only message of life. 
It's the only message of salvation. And today you might need to receive that, that hope into your heart to say, yes, I recognize that I have sinned against God, but God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to save even me. Even when I was far away, even when I was in, in sin, even when I was rebelling against God and I didn't want anything to do with God, God loved me even in that place and sent his son Jesus to pay the price for my sins on the cross, to die in my stead. But God raised him up on the third day so that I could have life instead of death, that I could have hope, that I could have forgiveness of my sins, that I could be brought into relationship with God and have abundant life on this earth and eternal life with God forever. And that might be the decision that you need to make today. And if that's the case, in a minute we're going to stand, we're going to sing, there's going to be leaders here standing across the front, and I want you to come and to speak to one of them, to share with them that this is the decision that you want to make in your heart today to trust in Jesus as your Savior and to follow him as the Lord of your life. There might be some that God is calling to become part of this church family. It might be the first time you've ever been here. You may have been here for a long time. But God has put in your heart that this is the place where he wants you to belong and the place where he wants you to serve and to grow, to have fellowship. So this is an opportunity for you to come and to make a decision like that this morning. But however God is speaking to your heart, now's the time that we would be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, thank you, Lord, for your word, for the challenge that you have put before us today. God, I pray that my life would be one of gospel service. Lord, that I'd be willing to give my all, Lord, to serve the purpose of your kingdom to glorify my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I'd be willing to give everything for that. Lord, help me, help others, Lord, not to get sidetracked by other things that don't matter, but Lord, to focus on the gospel. Because there are people that live on this street, in this community, in our county, our state, our nation, all across the world. And their only hope is this message. And so God, may we be laser focused on the gospel and giving our lives for the service of the kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.